Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. From our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., January 18, 2024. Great to be with you. And after the show today, I'll be heading into a production meeting with our wonderful crew here at the EWTN headquarters or offices in Washington, D.C., as we prepare for major coverage of all the events here in D.C., many today, including the big mass tonight, as always, a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful mass from the Basilica, and so many other events that are going on even before the march begins tomorrow at, well, after the rally. The rally is at noon, then the march starts after that. So please stay tuned to EWTN Radio, which is simulcasting the events, and also EWTN Television, our Facebook pages, social media will be there as well, and I'll also be updating on my social media page at MrsTeresaTamio.com. Honored to be asked to serve as one of the reporters covering the march and the rally tomorrow, and our coverage begins at 9.30, and we'll have all kinds of wonderful interviews and special reports from both in-studio and on-scene so again, nobody, as we said yesterday with Father Mitch Pacwa, covers these events both in D.C. and, of course, uh, gosh, not only Washington, but San Francisco, the March for Life in San Francisco, West Coast Walk for Life, and also One Life L.A., EWTN.com. Also coming up on the program today, I think you're really going to enjoy the interview that I did just recently. I sat down and spoke with the wonderful Dr. Mary Healy. Healy. She's a scripture scholar. She teaches at our own Archdiocese Sacred Heart Major Seminary here in the Detroit area, but she also works at the Vatican on Scripture. She's an expert, and she contributed a beautiful chapter to the new book, Wisdom from Women in Scripture, published recently by Word Among Us Press. This is a beautiful book, and you know what? It really does tie in very strongly with the pro-life message because what we've lost in so many ways in this world is the understanding of male and female complementarity, the dignity of every person, especially who we are, made in the image and likeness of God, male and female. And women have suffered so greatly through this whole thing called reproductive freedom, uh, the sexual revolution, all of these lies that we've been told for decades. And women have become among the, the worst victims of this. I wrote a whole book about it called Extreme Makeover. It came out a few years ago. And this is why this is so beautiful, because in this book, and Mary talks about this in this interview, we see how Jesus truly is, as I said in Extreme Makeover, the biggest woman's liber that ever walked the earth. It's, it's just an incredible look at how Jesus worked with women, how he spoke with them, how they were involved in his ministry. And this is what we need to understand greatly, to change people's hearts, as Father Mitch Pock was said on this program yesterday, if we are going to be truly a pro-life nation, and a pro-life world, and a pro-life church. So Dr. Mary Healy will be joining us with a beautiful look at wisdom from women in Scripture. Of course, we'll also have the news for you, but right now let's take a look at the weather before we get started on the news. Still have some problems out there. There's another cold front that's moving in, and the poor folks in parts of the Pacific Northwest are really struggling, especially in the Portland area. And then we have these uh, heavy lake effect snows that are continuing along the Great Lakes at Great Lakes, excuse me, as we mentioned yesterday, this is especially in the area along Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. And as we just pointed out, we have this Arctic blast that is also moving through again. Now, in parts of the Midwest, for example, when we left Michigan yesterday, it was about 18 degrees. It's starting to warm up in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana a little bit. And we could be all the way up into the 40s, which is going to feel like the 80s compared to what we've had the last couple of days. So anyway, be careful out there. There's still a lot of weather problems, winter weather problems. Keep an eye out, especially for flights that might be delayed, but always stay tuned right here to EWTN. Right now on a Thursday morning from D.C., let's check the news, shall we? A bill under consideration in Congress would head off the White House's attempts to strip federal funding from some crisis pregnancy centers throughout the U.S., Catholic News Agency reports the measure entitled Supporting Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act introduced into the House of Representatives earlier this month. The bill, if passed, would prohibit the Secretary of Health and Human Services from restricting funding for pregnancy centers. That measure, which is set to be considered today, is meant to counteract the Biden administration's effort to restrict crisis pregnancy centers around the country from taking part in a major federal welfare program. 
and in a message to the 2024 Economic Forum in Switzerland. As Devin Watkins reports from Rome, the Holy Father is urging business and world leaders to ensure that economic development benefits everyone and remains tied to solidarity. Titans of global business and politics are rubbing shoulders this week in Davos, Switzerland, under the theme Rebuilding Trust. To remind world leaders of their duty toward all of humanity, Pope Francis sent a message to the 2024 World Economic Forum. In his message, the Pope said the greatest challenge facing humanity is to ensure peaceful coexistence and integral development for everyone. He said participants in the forum bear a moral responsibility in the fight against poverty and the quest for peace. Pope Francis noted that the Davos event takes place this year in a very troubling climate of international instability. The Pope lamented the wars and prolonged conflicts that are lacerating parts of the world, many of which are wreaking death and destruction among civilians. He said peace cannot come simply by setting aside the weapons of war, but nations must first address the injustices that are the root causes of conflict. These causes, he said, include the prevalence of hunger and the exploitation of natural resources, even as some parts of the world waste food and a select few get rich off of extractive industries. He also condemned the widespread exploitation of men, women, and children who are forced to work for low wages and deprived of real prospects for personal development and professional growth. The central U.S. bracing for even more bitter cold, The National Weather Service says the Arctic cold front will be plunging into the U.S. starting, well, actually yesterday and then moving into today and could bring more record-setting cold temperatures. Forecasters say the polar plunge could extend as far south as the Florida panhandle, with lows dipping into the 20s and even teens in some areas. The Israel-Hamas war raging on in the Gaza Strip. Civilians in the region are fleeing as Israeli forces have attacked the area around Gaza's main hospital. This, as medicine is set to be delivered for Israeli hostages in exchange for additional humanitarian aid for Palestinians. The deal first breakthrough since the truce collapsed earlier in the war. The White House saying serious and intensive discussions are taking place for a new hostage deal. And Deanna Kodak tells us the protesters who shut down the Bay Bridge in November, calling for a ceasefire in the Israeli-Hamas war, are asking the San Francisco district attorney to drop charges against them. Meza Morar, one of the protesters who call themselves the Bay Bridge 78, says the whole point was to halt traffic. So that no business happens as usual during a genocide and during the death and destruction of a whole people and a population. They're facing five charges, including false imprisonment, refusing to comply with an officer and refusing to disperse. They say the charges are egregious, especially the false imprisonment charge. They face six months to a year in prison. The protesters say they're being held to a different standard than other protesters around the country. They're due in court next month. I'm Dina Kodiak. The U.S. has designated Houthis as a specially designated global terrorist group in response to their continued attacks in the Red Sea. These attacks are a clear example of terrorism, violation of international law, and a major threat to innocent lives and to global commerce. That's National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby speaking at a White House briefing that Houthis need to be held accountable for the attacks, noting the U.S. acknowledges there are millions of Yemenis who are struggling and in need of food, water, or medicine. He also said the sanctions will still allow aid organizations to deliver those supplies. The president announcing earlier that if the attacks continue, the U.S. will take even further action. Lisa Taylor tells us a Maine judge is deferring a decision on whether the former president should be allowed on the state's ballot. Last month, Maine's Secretary of State disqualified Trump under the 14th Amendment. The ruling issued by Maine Superior Court Justice Michaela Murphy said a decision should be on hold until the U.S. Supreme Court rules on a similar case from Colorado. The high court will hear arguments in the Colorado case on February 8th. Maine is set to hold its Republican presidential primary March 5th. I'm Lisa Taylor. The federal special counsel in charge of the Hunter Biden case is slamming the president's son for concocting fiction designed for a Hollywood script. Hunter Biden claiming that he was only indicted on gun charges because of right-wing bias. Federal Special Counsel David Weiss releasing a photo of the revolver Biden is accused of illegally buying and added that cocaine residue was found on Hunter Biden's gun pouch. The aide who called 911 for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on New Year's Day apparently asked the ambulance to be very discreet because of a request from Austin's team to be subtle. The Pentagon has been criticized in light of Austin's secrecy 
over his condition and hospitalizations. In recording of the 911 call obtained by CNN, the aide says, we're trying to remain a little bit subtle. The FAA is expanding its investigation into Boeing's 737 MAX 9 quality control. In an email to its customers, the Alaska Airlines CEO says they will continue to not fly the 737 MAX 9 for an indefinite time. We will return these aircraft to service only when all findings have been fully resolved and meet the stringent standards of Boeing, the FAA, and Alaska Airlines. That probe comes after a door plug came open on an Alaska Airlines flight earlier this month. In a statement, the FAA says it's now looking into the contractor Spirit Aero Systems, which builds the aircraft's fuselage. The investigation looking into how the plug, which is supposed to cover a space from a removed emergency exit door on the plane, blew off the plane and left a hole. Boeing said earlier this week, in an effort to increase transparency, it will allow airlines into its factories. Kristen Marks tells us a Manhattan judge is refusing to drop charges against Daniel Penny in connection to last year's New York City subway chokehold death. The 25-year-old Marine veteran from Long Island was caught on camera placing a homeless man, Jordan Neely, in a fatal chokehold on a subway train in May of 2023. Neely family attorney, Dante Mills. It's a win for Jordan's family. It's a win for the people who stood on that subway platform and stopped the trains from moving. It's a win for everybody who stood up for houselessness, for mental health. Penny's legal team argues he was defending himself from Neely, who was allegedly acting erratically and threatening passengers. Penny is due back in court March 20th. Texas not giving in to pressure from the feds to reopen a riverfront park that sits on the border with Mexico. The border patrol was banned last week, and that's led to a squabble over who can control the flow of illegal immigration. The park in Eagle Pass has been a hot spot, and with Texas in control, asylum seekers are pushed back. In a statement, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson says they will continue utilizing their constitutional authority to defend their territory. The sales of electric vehicles may have reached a plateau as consumers have major concerns about the technology. Russell Hensley is a partner with the marketing firm McKinsey & Company in Detroit, looking over new technology ideas at the recent Consumer Electronics Show. He says the process of charging the vehicles is a major concern for customers. Uh, If you think of Wi-Fi 10 years ago uh, and the difficulties we had logging onto Wi-Fi, and today, you know, it's it's, it's pretty much commonplace just about everywhere, and it's actually free. The survey finding 42% of consumers won't purchase an EV until the number of charging stations rivals those of gas stations. He also says the research also found that in addition to charging a vehicle, the range of an EV can be a major concern. Customers want a vehicle that has the ability to go 400 miles or more on a single charge. Older Americans, as Aaron Rial tells us, own a much bigger share of larger homes than they did 10 years ago, and young families, meanwhile, are struggling to get into them. Empty nest baby boomers own 28% of large homes. Millennials with kids own 14%, while Gen Z families own just 0.3% of homes with three bedrooms or more. This is a change from historical norms. Ten years ago, young families were just as likely as empty nesters to own a large home. More than 90% of the current homeowners with mortgages have rates under 6%, and with mortgage rates around 6.6% and record sticker prices for homes, there is very little incentive for people of any generation to That's a look at the news on a Thursday morning. Catholic Connection continues after these messages. We are called to defend life from the rally to the march. EWTN brings you live coverage as the pro-life generation moves through the streets of the Capitol. Don't miss the March for Life, hosted by Lauren Ashburn from Washington. Coverage begins tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. 
Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. With so much going on in the world, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. What do you need to know today? Stay tuned to Cresta in the Afternoon and Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio as we bring you the day's top stories and conversations from an authentic Catholic perspective. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. So honored to have some time with an amazing sister in the Lord who does so much good. She is truly an expert on scripture and the faith. Dr. Mary Healy is a professor of scripture at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, a best-selling author, international speaker, and also, uh, my dad, has a very, very big role in the church and scripture study with the Vatican. And she's just a real blessing, and we're so happy that she's with us this morning to talk about her contribution to this brand new book, Wisdom from Women in Scripture, edited by my dear sister Kelly Walquist from Wine. I have a chapter in there, and Mary has a beautiful chapter on the woman in the alabaster jar. Mary, this book is so beautiful, and it's so easy to read in the sense that you could take it, you could take it to adoration, you could take it in your prayer time, read a chapter, do the questions, and then just kind of settle, maybe come back another day or two. I love it. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Nice to talk to you on this white winter wonderland morning. Right, right. Uh, So let's talk about the project. Why is it important for women to embrace women in Scripture these days? Well, um, it's wonderful. It's been wonderful for me over the many years I've been studying the Bible to uh, dive more closely into the passages that concern women. And it's actually remarkable that the Bible gives so much space to women, even though it was written in a world where women were not as highly valued as men. Mm-hmm. They were not seen um, fully as persons in the same way as men, despite what it says right at the beginning of Scripture, God created them in His image, male and female, He created them. Um, nevertheless, women were, were thought of as um, minor characters, if anything, in events of significance, and yet the Bible devotes uh, a significant, significant number of passages to women. And, um, each of the biblical women about whom there is a narrative is uh, a figure of um, a kind of well-rounded personality, not just kind of a cardboard, um, you know, in the background, nobody. And there's something powerful to learn from each one. Each one in their interaction with the Lord and with other people um, has wisdom to teach us. And that's yeah. what this book does. And as you said, it's a, it's a very short book. It's, it's light. It's, um, it's an easy read. It's a, a very inspiring book to read. So it is a great idea to bring it into your prayer time. 
And Dr. Mary Healy wrote The Woman with the Alabaster Chart chapter in this beautiful new book from Word Among Us and Wine, Women in New Evangelization, Wisdom from Women in Scripture. Uh, so, Mary, why did you choose a woman with the alabaster jar? I knew pretty much right away that that's the woman I wanted to write on. I have often spoken about her in talks, but I had never written about her, except in my commentary on the Gospel of Mark a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, she is someone who is unnamed, yet plays an um, incredibly significant role in the life of Jesus at the beginning of his passion, just a few days before the Last Supper, she performs this gesture out of the blue, unexpectedly. And yet, when you unpack what it says about this, this gesture of her pouring fragrant oil on the head of Jesus, nard on the head of Jesus, you see that it, it has amazing significance for who he is as Messiah, and what he's about to do in his passion. And she actually exemplifies, she's like the the photographic negative, in a way, to the disciples in their kind of bumbling response Mm -hmm. to Jesus' passion. They run away, they're afraid, they're they're not there in a key moment. And and she is is like um, a, a foil to that, because she represents the right response. She gets it. She gets what he's about to do when nobody else seems to get it. And so I've always found the, the passages about her to be very moving and um, a, a real uh, a window into what we are meant to be as disciples of Jesus, both men and women. She's mm-hmm. not a model to, only for women. She's a model for men as well. Mm-hmm. I've read some commentaries where some scholars, and I would love your insight on this, believe that that may have been Mary Magdalene. Is is, is that correct, or what, what have you heard over the years in your studies? Yes, that, that view goes all the way back to the early church, and I, I think it might have been um, St. Gregory the Great who uh, originates that view that she was Mary Magdalene. And there's actually not a biblical basis for that, um, all we know about Mary Magdalene is that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Mm-hmm. She became one of his followers, and then she was there at the cross and at the resurrection. But um, there's there's no biblical indication that she was the woman who anointed Jesus. Rather, the, the Gospel of John says it was Mary of Bethany, Mary the sister of Martha, mm. who was that woman. Who's anonymous in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John names her as Mary, uh, the sister of Martha. So that's a different Mary mm-hmm. from Mary Magdalene. It is beautiful to ponder that, though, to think about who that might have been. Yes, right, and, and certainly, uh, you know, on one level, it makes sense that it 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 could have been Mary Magdalene. Not likely, um, because she comes from Magdala, whereas Mary of Bethany comes from Bethany, but. As somebody who was um, delivered by Jesus from terrible demonic oppression and experienced the freedom, the, the healing, the forgiveness that he brings, and, and because of that, changed her whole life, became his follower, one of his closest friends. Um, you know, you, you see this deep love between Jesus and Mary, of Magdala at the resurrection. So um, in that sense, she was, she was certainly um, of a similar um, cast of mind to the woman who anointed Jesus, even if they weren't the same person historically. We're talking with Dr. Mary Healy. She's a professor of scripture at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit, a best-selling author and international speaker, and one of the many contributors to this beautiful new book, Wisdom from Women in Scripture, just recently released before Christmas. Kelly Walquist, myself, Elizabeth M. Kelly, Mary Healy, as I mentioned, Melissa Obermeyer, and my dear friend Alyssa Bormez. So you also uh, did us a great service in this with your knowledge about Scripture, Mary. You went through the chapters. What was that like for you? Was it, was it fun? Was it challenging? Did you learn something new about a particular woman in Scripture, maybe that even you, with all your experience, didn't know before from the different <laughs> perspectives? I always get new insights when I read uh-huh. what other people have written about Scripture that clearly comes from their prayer, comes from their own relationship with the Lord, even if they're not biblical scholars. Mm-hmm. And 
Yes, I have to say, I, I felt like I got to know Rahab better by looking at her through the eyes of Alyssa. I think it was Alyssa who wrote mm-hmm. that chapter. I got to know the woman at the well better through Kelly in her chapter. Mm-hmm. I got to know Esther better and Ruth. So I, I can't remember any you know specific new insights, but with each one, I thought, oh, wow, that's what it was really like yeah. for her. Yeah. In, in that situation, it, it made it more concrete and, and you know, kind of brought each of those women to life mm-hmm. as I was reading, despite the fact that I've been studying this for years. We'll be right back. We're talking with Dr. Mary Healy. She's a professor of scripture at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit, a best-selling author and international speaker, and one of the many contributors to this beautiful new book, Wisdom from Women in Scripture, just recently released before Christmas. Kelly Walquist, myself, Elizabeth M. Kelly, Mary Healy, as I mentioned, Melissa Obermeyer, and my dear friend Alyssa Bormez. I think you know our story. Deacon Dom and I came back to the Catholic Church through a non-denominational Bible study, and ever since then, Scripture has been a major part of our life, and we do the daily readings mm-hmm. together as, as a deacon couple, and in addition to other efforts that we take to learn more about Scripture. But it is amazing, mm-hmm. even this morning, reading the, the first reading about the Philistines and the Israelites and some of the things that happened, it made me, it forced mm-hmm. me to go and to look up online uh, previous chapters of First Samuel and then the following chapters of First Samuel because I found the, the reflection in the Word Among Us of the Magnificat so interesting. And it speaks to us mm-hmm. constantly if we sit down and say, okay, mm-hmm. Lord, Show me something to talk to me here this morning or this afternoon. Yeah, the the Lord loves to talk to us through His Word. And when I first discovered that as as a young woman, it um, it radically changed my life. And I have been trying to pass on that message to other people ever since then. There's always something new. You can you can read the same story a thousand times, and Scripture has inexhaustible depth. So you find something new each time. I was just to say, why do you think women need this right now so much in 2024? Oh, well, um, I think you could say after um, so many decades, uh, generations really of um, increased respect for the distinctive role and and the rights of women, um, you know, going back a century or more, the right to vote, the right to equal pay for equal work and all those things and women's sports and all that. For the last decade or two, we've been in a time of decline of respect for women. And there are many in our um, prominent voices in our culture saying we can't even define what is a woman. Right. And so ironically, after uh, so many years of, you know, feminism, pressing for women's rights, um, there's there's really now an anti-woman spirit. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's related to abortion. It's related to the uh, promotion of sex, however you want to do it, without any restraint, um, other than um, other than consent by the other person or persons. All of that is uh, profoundly degrading to women, in particular. A profound degrading of the role of of motherhood, of being a wife, of, of being the heart of the family. So um, it's a time of confusion for women, which is necessarily a time of confusion for men right. as well. Right. And even though the Word of God was written in a, in a very different culture, uh, where the, the norms concerning family life were different from ours, nevertheless, it contains revelation from God about our dignity, about our, our role, about the way we relate to Him, the way we relate to one another, about the indispensable role of women in the plan of God. And women need to hear that. They need right. to be affirmed in their identity. Right. And men, likewise, need to be affirmed in their identity as men in this time of confusion. I was just going to say that because if you think about so much confusion, especially with this push for you know transgenderism and, and you know man can be a woman, a woman can be a man, you can be fluid, all of this, to me it really uh, enforces, affirms, upholds the dignity of women 
when you started the interview, Mary, you were talking about the fact that you know thousands of years ago, when these uh, chapters were given to us, you know, the inspiration, God's God's inspired word, where women really held no roles. And ex- and for example, the woman at the well, to me, that is such a huge story. I love that story in John's Gospel mm-hmm. because you know mm-hmm. here's Jesus, a man who was thought a teacher at the well, talking to a woman in the middle of the day. And we kind of bypass scripture very quickly, a verse here, a verse there, because when the apostles come back, what does the gospel say? It says that they were surprised mm-hmm. he was talking to a woman. Well, why? What's a big deal? Because mm-hmm. men didn't mm-hmm. have those kinds of conversations, especially a Jewish rabbi talking with a Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get a lot just from paying attention to those offhand comments. They were surprised that he was talking with a woman, but no one dared to question him. Mm-hmm. It gives you a sense of just how countercultural Jesus's behavior was. Right. It was really scandalous to the apostles that he was talking to a stranger woman who was not a relative of his um, alone at, at a Samaritan well, and she's a Samaritan woman, no less. So you see how Jesus broke through cultural barriers, and he ignored the societal norms that said women are beneath men, and you don't talk to them unless they're a relative. Mm-hmm. He upheld her dignity, and the very fact that he did that must have um, moved her at a deep level, and, and you see it as their conversation progresses. It's one of the longest conversations in Scripture. Right. Um, it's such a powerful chapter, and Unfortunately, people don't usually read the whole thing all at once, slowly and perfectly, and get the nuances of that conversation. It's almost like Jesus is elevating her dignity little by little through the whole chapter, and she is little by little coming to recognize who he is. And then at the end of that chapter, she becomes, she ends up becoming the first Evangelist. Evangelist. I know, I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she evangelizes her whole town. She, um, she makes the first Christian inroad into the region of Samaria. Mm-hmm. And it's a prelude to, to the gospel going out uh, through Samaria and the Acts of the Apostles. But it begins with her. It begins yeah. with nobody. You know, the town reject. The, the woman who, who was um, so alone that... She went to the well when nobody else would go because she knew she would be rejected, she would be uh, mocked, she would be um, ostracized, and and yet um, she becomes the one to bring salvation to her whole town. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful turnaround. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you spend time doing a little Lexio Divina on that chapter alone and you think about how low her self-esteem must have been, and then there is, a, you know, not just a rabbi, not just any man, but God waiting for her at the well. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's really very mm. emotional and powerful. Mary, I wish we could talk yeah. forever. We're almost out of time. But thank you for your work and the contribution to this beautiful book and all your help. Wisdom from Women in Scripture. Dr. Mary, Mary Healy has been our guest this morning. She's a professor of Scripture at Sacred Heart in Detroit, best-selling author, international speaker, and, of course, a Scripture scholar who does so much work to help us understand the beauty of God's Word. And I want to remind ladies listening, we have a Lenten book club that's starting February 6th. It runs through March 19th. Dr. Healy, myself, Kelly, the other contributors to this beautiful book, will be doing a session with Kelly, talking about our chapters, and it's just a great thing to do. Very easy. You can go to catholicvineyard.com. There's a package available. You can get the book, a prayer card, and a journal. And so it's a very reasonable price, and you can uh, order it through Catholic Vineyard. You can also get it through uh, my website. We're going to be putting up at the Ave Maria Radio Bookstore as well. But what a great thing to do for Lent, either on your own, maybe with a female relative of yours, or for your own Bible study group at your parish. Wisdom from Women in Scripture, just out from Word Among Us, along with the Lent Book Club that starts on February 6th. All the details right there on the homepage of catholicvineyard.com and I have it also at teresatamio.com Mary, great to speak with you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome and we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
big anniversary coming up for our friends at the Walk for Life West Coast. The website, walkforlifewc.com. Again, walkforlifewc.com. On the phone, my friend Eva, Eva Montaigne from Ignatius Press, and also the co-chair and co-founder of Walk for Life West Coast. Eva, I can't believe you're celebrating a big anniversary this year. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. But, yes, it's 20 years. I can't believe it myself. It just seems like just yesterday that we started it, but here we are 20 years later and wishing very much that we didn't have to keep doing this. <laughs> so in terms of, of the intensity of this, I mean, you are right there in, in San Francisco, which isn't exactly outside of, obviously, the great ministry of Cardinal of, of um, Archbishop Corleone, who's amazing. But there's so much tension, and, and you're right there in the belly of the beast, so to speak. How has this impacted the march, the West Coast Walk for Life? Well, I mean, from year one, when at the time it was Gavin Newsom was our mayor and Kamala Harris uh, was also here, both of them came out very strongly against us. In fact, they led a rally against us and a walk march against us. Uh, ever since then, they've still been against us the whole way, but they can't really do much since we are protected under the First Amendment. So, and but I have to say, as, as much as the city has been against us, I want to make clear that the San Francisco Police Department has been marvelous. They have been with us from year one and and protecting us, and they're going to be with us again this year. And we've had many meetings with them, and and I just want to make sure that's clear that the the, the police are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's that's so so important. But you haven't had any problems. I mean, you've been what I love about being at the mar- different marches is that our people are very, very peaceful. They clean up after themselves. Of course, that never gets reported. They, they don't tear anything down. Everything is extremely orderly. But what type of pushback on the streets have you gotten? You mentioned the rally that was years ago with, with Kamala Harris and, and Gavin Newsom, but there also were some, some various protests. But that's pretty much died down now, hasn't it? We get some, of course, every single year, but certainly nothing like at the beginning. I think at the beginning it was so bad that um, they realized how bad they looked, mm-hmm. and they realized that the, you could see clearly the good versus evil um, when they came out against us so strong. So while we still get the crazies and we still get the fringe, um, it's nothing like it has been in the beginning. I think the uh, the thing that motivates us is obviously number one is the fact that it, it motivates the people who attend but it also shows the people of San Francisco that we're here, that we mm-hmm. exist, that the pro-life mm-hmm. movement is here and strong. And and we're, I think, the second largest event in the city in terms of, you know, uh, public uh, march or walk. So I don't know. I think I think we do a lot of good. Uh, a lot of people get mad at us because we the traffic's snarling, you know, and we're walking. But, um, but you know, once a year they know we're coming and, and we're here to stay. Amen. Talking with Ava Montaigne, co-chair and co-founder of the Walk for Life West Coast, and of course we'll be there. So let's talk about the schedule. I know everyone can go to the website, walkforlifewc.com, but what do we have to look forward to in terms of the theme, the speaker, and all that good stuff, Eva? Sure. Um, Yes, the scheduling is going to be the same as the last few years, and we're going to start at 1230 at Civic Center Plaza. Um, Of course, we'll have the 930 a.m. Mass for the Catholics who would like to attend that. Um, 11 o'clock starts the info fair. We always have a big tent that um, features a lot of organizations in the area who support life. And then 1230 starts our rally. And our speakers this year are Lila Rose from Live Action. Everybody knows about her. Um, Kaya Jones, she's a founding member of the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, the oh, yeah, I've heard about her story. Yeah, she's had three abortions, and she's had a major life conversion and she's got a powerful story so she's going to be joining us and then we have Kim Hankel she's uh, going to be talking about fostering and adoption and her story and her adoption story and then we of course have Reverend Childress who's He's been amazing. with us almost mm-hmm. every year he kind of riles the, the uh, crowds right before we start walking so he's wonderful so those are our speakers, and then we start walking at 1.30. We walk down through the middle of the city on Market Street all the way down to the ocean, <laughs> uh, to the uh, ocean front there at the ferry building, and that's where we end. And we invite everyone to join us and just be here in this beautiful city and, and show your life support. 
This has become not only a, a, a pro-life event for San Francisco, but that part of the country. Where do you find that, that the attendees are coming from, Eva? Well, mainly from the Northern California area, but we do have buses coming in from Arizona, Oregon, and uh, several from Nevada. So we are, like our name says, Walk for Life West Coast. So we, plus, you know, occasionally, I mean, we've, I've even heard of people coming all the way from Florida. Wow. So we've even had a bus come from Colorado. Um, I'm not sure if they're coming this year, but I know that they've come regularly. So we do, you know, we, we, Anybody can come and join us who would like to come and support life here on the West Coast. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think these events are so, so encouraging. And it's needed for all of us in the pro-life movement to know that there are, that we're not crazy. We don't have three heads and there are other people who agree with us, right? Exactly. No, we don't have three heads. We don't even have two heads. <laughs> we're a single-headed group here. <laughs> That's funny. The website is walkforlifewc.com. Again, Walk for Life West Coast is the name of the event, walkforlifewc.com. Great event, great speakers. 20 years. So, so how did you decide this was something that was needed for your area? Because you were involved in this in the very beginning. 20 years ago. Well, originally we started with a marriage rally because Gavin Newsom, our mayor, allowed against the law at that time for same-sex marriages. And within three weeks, we were able to garner 1,500 people to walk through San Francisco uh, to protect the marriage. And we were so uh, enthused about the outcome of that. And we had both, both Dolores and I had been to the walk, uh, the March for Life in D.C., and we both thought that was just such a magnificent event. But the West Coast, that's kind of a long way to go. A lot of people from here can't really make it out, you know, to the other side of the, the country. So we thought, well, why don't we start a sister event to the march where we we do it on a Saturday since they do it during the week, uh, and we'll do abortion hurts women because that's very um, prevalent here in the West Coast in the San Francisco area, you know, lots and lots of abortions. So we thought, why don't we do that? And we so that's what we did. We started it 20 years ago, and from the very beginning, it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories is going to a conference and giving a talk about the walk, and then um, some stu- students were asked to say what they thought about the walk, and high school students got up and said how much it moved them and how they went back to their schools and started pro-life clubs, uh, started uh, writing pro-life essays for school, and those are the kinds of reasons that we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, it's so encouraging again. And what I love is it's so diverse, right, the crowd that comes? Oh, yes, definitely. We have, you know, <laughs> we've had lots of Jewish groups, and we've, we've, even been, we've even had Gays for Life that come. It's amazing the diversity. I saw Atheists for Life one year when I was covering the March for EW10 in Washington, Atheists for Life. Yeah, we had secular pro-life. So, we, yeah, we've had all kinds of um, groups here. So definitely, definitely a diverse group of people that come. And we invite everybody who's pro-life. We, right. we, we are open arms about the fact that you want to protect the life of the unborn. How important is it to have, because you have an amazing archbishop, Archbishop Cordelione. How important is it for his leadership? I love the website with pictures of him walking alongside some of the students and holding the rosary and, and praying along with everybody in the march. That's got to be so encouraging as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was coming even when he was down in San Diego. He would come up for the Walk for Life. So he's been with us for many, many, many years, and we are so grateful to have him. Like I mentioned earlier, we always have a Walk for Life Mass at the cathedral that he celebrates, inviting all the priests and bishops in the area to come and join him. And and he always walks with us. And so, yes, he's, he's, he's been amazing help. They help promote it. They, they, he always writes letters for us to send out to priests and even individuals. We make those available on our website. So, yes, we're, we're very, very fortunate to have him. Okay, so I have to toot our own horn a little bit, but how important is the coverage that we give you every year at EW10? Because the, those, that crew, and you know this, Eva, because you've been through this yeah. with them so many times, they cover the March for Life, and they turn around, and then they have to go to the West Coast, and there's a whole time difference and everything else, but they do that all over again for another day. It's amazing, and, and I have to say, from year one, EW10 has been with us, and I think only the COVID year did the, did the crew not come out. So we are so blessed to have EWTN help us out and come and, and broadcast and get the message out to anyone who watches. So 
oh my goodness, I, I don't think we could do it without EWTN. Yeah, it, it is amazing, and I always say this because having a, a media background, I know what it takes to put these kinds of things on. It's no easy task. So any idea what the weather is going to be like? Well, I guess that's the beauty of this event is that it's in San Francisco, and usually we have beautiful weather. I think we've only had a little bit of rain one year. Uh, other than that, we've had sunshine, and we've had. it's amazing because we have had very cold, but we've also had very warm. So it really just depends on the year. But we've never, like I said, only one year for a very short time did we have rain. So we're looking at clear skies and, and beautiful weather. So come and join us. <laughs> we invite you to come. One of these years you should come out and come visit us. I should. It's just it's, it's difficult to do both, to cover both the March for Life in D.C. and turn yeah. around and do a whole other live eight, eight hours of coverage. But, yeah. you know, I, I would love it. But it's funny because your idea of cold, Eva, in Northern California is much different <laughs> than our idea of cold. <laughs> Yeah, what are you like talking 60. about in terms of temperatures, girlfriend? 60. Oh, for crying out loud. That's like balmy. That's Bermuda shorts weather here. <laughs> 60 I degrees. Know. I'd be like, oh, hallelujah. Oh, please. I know. That's why it's so great to, to do it here. That's part of the reason. And, you know, just just it's a nice day. People come uh, for the whole weekend. You know, they make a weekend of it and. So they show their support for life and, and participate, and then they can enjoy the beautiful weather and the and actually a beautiful city, even though crazy. Yeah, it is a gorgeous city. It's it is a gorgeous city. Yeah. I mean, so if you I go, really like, make a little trip out of it. Go see some things, and you know, go to the cathedral. You know, see if you can do some tours. Go to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just, it is a beautiful city. Um, yeah, it's just right. funny when you said it's going to yeah. be cold, sixty degrees, and I'm like praying for above <laughs> freezing for next. <laughs> But you know what? Our crew and all the people who go to the march, whether it's on the West Coast, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in D.C., we're like the post office, right? Like no rain, no sleep, no hail, especially our crew. I remember one year it was so cold in D.C. that the equipment started to freeze. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my word. Yep. Okay, the well, cameras can only take that. so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, girlfriend. Yeah. Well, listen, great to catch up with you. And any idea? I know it says on your website you need to register. Numbers-wise, what are you expecting? Um, no need to register. I mean, people just come if you can. We'd love it if you register because then we can keep, um, you know, a track of who's coming. Uh-huh. But, um, but no, I don't know about our numbers. We we have over 100 buses registered, but awesome. many of them don't register. So, We'll see. We're expecting maybe twenty-five to 35,000. Beautiful. So we'll see. (laughs) All right. Well, God love you. Keep up the great work both for the uh, Walk for Life West Coast and also, of course, to all of our friends at Ignatius. I just interviewed uh, one of your new authors um, uh, on the book regarding uh, Life-Giving Wounds for Children of Divorce. Beautiful book. So it just came out. Great book. Yeah. All right, my dear. God love you. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. Always great to catch up with you. Eva Montaigne, co-chair and co-founder of Walk for Life West Coast. She also works for the wonderful Ignatius Press. The website again, folks, for those of you in that part of the country who maybe want a different experience and to go to San Francisco, walkforlifewc.com. Again, walkforlifewc.com. Stay tuned. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Back by popular demand is our trip through Portugal, Spain, and France. We start with a day in Fatima, following all the steps of the Little Shepherds. Santiago de Compostela, the ending point for the El Camino, is the home of the largest incenser. Visit the tomb of St. James the Apostle. Three days in Lourdes, which is quite indescribable. You'll have to come and see it to believe it. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. 
The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. A very wonderful woman I knew had four children, and all four died. And somebody went up to her one day, and they said, Oh, what a pity. And she said, Oh, no, what a blessing. If we don't begin to look at everything with the eyes of Jesus, you will become helpless and hopeless. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. hope you know how much we appreciate your listenership here at the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network as well as the Ave Maria Radio Network. And we always say we are all about the resources. So just remember, anything you hear daily on this show, you can check out. You can go to, for example, the EWTN Religious Catalog through EWTN.com. You may also go to the archive section of Catholic Connection at AveMariaRadio.net. And all the resources are there for you. This is also a great way, by the way, to witness. Sometimes if you're challenged by a friend or a loved one on a particular topic and you hear us talking about an issue, right, that has come up, especially, right, over the holidays or a special occasion, you can go to or tell your friend or family member with whom you're discussing something to go to one of these sites and to listen to a program, or you can send them to the link to the program, and they can hear it for themselves. That's why we call Catholic Radio part of being a member of the Shy Evangelist family, right? Because we do the evangelization for you, and you can pass it on. We'll talk to you in the next edition of Catholic Connection. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.